Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 236 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about prehabbing patients with rotator cuff tears. We'll be going over some anatomical considerations emphasizing the educational part of prehabbing for shoulders, and we'll talk about individualizing each patient program and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a minute, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. At MedCore Professionals, we offer mobility aids, bracing and supports, compression garments, post-mastectomy care, and much more. Your health and well-being are important to us. Your recovery is our priority. Our certified team will guide you to the right products based on your medical needs, recent procedures, or mobility restrictions. Visit us on Route 1 in Scarborough or at MedCorePro.com. We are Mark and Kelly Hassett, owners of MedCore. And we keep you moving forward. This episode is sponsored by MedBridge. Harnessing the power of technology to help you advance your career and improve patient outcomes, MedBridge delivers over 2,000 evidence-based CE courses and more than 7,000 specialized patient exercises available whenever you need them from wherever you are. MedBridge goes beyond CEUs. They're leading the space. From interactive webinars led by top industry leaders to the first ever HEP patient mobile app, MedBridge has taken learning to the next level for over 200,000 PTs, OTs, ATs, SLPs, and nurses, and those they serve. For a limited time, use promo code OEP to receive $175 off your annual subscription. Welcome back, everyone. So I'm just going to forewarn you, if I get my words mixed a little bit today or I sound a little slow, uh, there's a real good reason for that. I We just arrived from Virginia and I live in northern Maine and uh, I've been up since 3 a.m. this morning. We had to uh, drive about two and a half to three hours to get to the airport, then fly from there and then drive another two and a half hours to get home and uh, it's been a very, very long day. But we, uh, we just did a blood flow restriction training class down uh, at Virginia Tech and uh, it was absolutely awesome. We had a great time, and to be honest with you, um, this was one of the best groups we have ever worked with. Talk about courteous and engaged and really enthusiastic, and uh, we really appreciate all those folks who came to our course, and uh, because of that, we're going to continue doing courses like this just because you know doing continuing ed, it just fuels that fire of mine, and I uh, really enjoy doing it. So, um Bear with me as we get going through our prehabbing patients with rotator cuff tears. So, it's a slightly tough topic because there are no protocols. There are really no standards to how you should prehab rotator cuff patients, okay? So, we've all seen these patients who tear their rotator cuffs. They might have just a supraspinatus tear alone. It might be full thickness. It might be partial thickness, just undersurface tearing. They may have all four rotator cuffs torn, uh, all four rotator cuff muscles torn. They may have some involvement of their long head of their biceps, which could be quite a big pain generator. Some may be at high risk of adhesive capsulitis. And the interesting thing, sometimes you'll see people with tons of pain and um, they have small tears. And then we have these other people who have really, really large tears and they have really minimal discomfort. And then we see these people with small tears with a severe loss of motion. And then some people with large tears and they have, you know, really great motion. It is so variable. You can take 100 patients with a supraspinatus tear. 
thoroughly examine them and they will all present differently and they may all respond to a different program so they don't just fall into this cookie cutter type of you know designed program um, when it comes to prehabbing shoulders okay especially when they have rotator cuff tears so um, that is why it is so important that your prehab programs with shoulders be customized to each person okay so let's talk about some things that we need to consider number one don't cause more damage, okay? Be easy with these. Take it easy. Don't push really hard um, because, you know, if you have a partial tear of part of your rotator cuff, you could actually make that worse. So understanding the diagnosis and the patient limitations is going to be very important. So if you have a, you know, a supraspinatus tear, you don't want to be reaming on abduction really hard actively, but you can move them passively into that range of motion and be perfectly fine with that, okay? So understanding your anatomical structures and knowing what active and passive insufficiency is and then what active and passive motion is and selective tissue tension will really help you um, treat these folks better, okay? So make sure that you modify that range of motion as they tall, as they need it, okay? So if uh, they're having a hard time with it, you may not be doing a lot of motion at first, but as things settle down, they may start to improve. Something else you really need to consider is the possibility of adhesive capsulitis with your patients. So, you know, are they diabetic? Do they have a thyroid problem? Are they perimenopausal? Or maybe they have a family history of um, adhesive capsulitis. Or do they have a Dupuytren's contracture? We know that people with Dupuytren's contractures are at high risk of adhesive capsulitis. These people will stiffen up a lot faster than most. So now that we've introduced some inflammation to that capsule, along with having these underlying conditions, you can really develop some adhesive capsulitis. And that can turn into a major problem, um, especially if a orthopedic surgeon is going to go in and do surgery on this patient. The outcome is going to be much more difficult and more challenging because of that loss of motion. So, you know, pay attention to that and ask those questions. I always do. And um, sometimes we catch these people and we uh, try to move them maybe a little bit more. And uh, we always uh, try to get them into therapy soon after surgery so they don't have too much time to stiffen up. So now is the time to teach these people Okay, when we're in the prehab mode. Having a rotator cuff repair is very, very incapacitating, okay? So it, it functionally, it's difficult. Pain-wise, it's difficult. And so here are a couple things I want you to consider when you see your prehab patients for rotator cuff tears, okay? So I always try to have them bring in a family member for at least one visit so you can help teach that family member what they can and can't do, especially when helping the patient, you know, change a shirt or maybe wash or move that arm or passively put it into a different position, taking the sling off and putting it on uh, and that type of thing. So getting a family member in there at least for one visit can be very helpful. Now, the other thing that can also be helpful is have your patient wear a sling for a day. And have them go home and tell them you cannot take that sling off. Okay, you got to get dressed, you got to wash yourself, all your self care, toileting, sleeping, um, whatever it may be that they not normally do, they should try it with a sling on and see how they do. And that's going to really get them thinking like, wow, it's difficult to put a shirt on. Maybe I'll just get myself like an oversized shirt that's easy to button up on the front and I'll just put it over that arm and sling um, for the first couple of days. So they will really get to thinking about how they can help themselves afterwards if you can do that with them. I always recommend sleeping in a recliner. I know it doesn't sound great, but I would say 99% of my rotator cuff 
repair patients, sleep in a recliner, and it could be anywhere from two weeks to three months. I've seen it all. Um, the recliner really helps to kind of cradle the arm a little bit better. They're able to rest maybe uh, the elbow on the armrest a little, and it just puts them in a good position. And then if they have to get up, they don't need to worry about rolling over. They can get up a little bit easier. So I recommend a recliner for most people, uh, especially if they live alone. Uh, it's just going to be easier for them to get up and get down uh, and to sleep a little bit better. Uh, I also send my patients to uh, my YouTube channel where I have a series of videos that I made to help them do different activities of daily living with little pointers on how to make it easier. So like how to shower after your rotator cuff tear and how to uh, sleep how to change your shirt, how to adjust a sling and do all those things. So I have little pointers in there. And what I can do is I can put the uh, the link in the show notes to that playlist of mine if you're interested in utilizing it with your patients. Uh, by all means, go ahead. And if you have any uh, comments or want to make any adjustments to that or think we should uh, do a video about something else, let me know and we can always throw that together. Um, the other thing that's really important is that these folks try to prep meals, especially if they live by themselves. Um, they should try to prep meals ahead of time and freeze them so that it's really easy to take something out of the freezer, maybe throw it in the microwave or just warm it up. Um, so they're, they're not having to use both hands to try to cut things. And um, that can be a lot of work. It'd be very, very difficult while you're in a sling and especially when you're in a lot of pain. So uh, doing those little things can be you know, really helpful. Now, as far as physical therapy or occupational therapy goes, know this, not all patients with rotator cuff tears need surgery, okay? So some of them will actually start to get better when you're in the pre-op phase of this. And their their motion may improve actively, passively. Uh, they, their pain level may decrease. Like, there are a lot of people out there with rotator cuff tears, and they live the rest of their lives and do fine. So, um, you know, take that into consideration. If they seem to be showing a nice, steady improvement and, and maybe even compensating with other muscle groups and demonstrating some good strength and not a lot of overcompensation when trying to elevate the arm, then, hey, you know, relay that to the orthopedic surgeon so that the patient and the surgeon can have a conversation about, do I really need to have this surgery done right now? And um, so that is a conversation for them to have. But um, don't be surprised. Some of these folks will do well and um, respond to the treatment that you give them. So, you know, you want to, as a therapist, number one, address the pain because obviously they have a tear in that shoulder and, and really the bigger tears, the larger, more massive tears are less painful. Usually they have less range of motion, um, but it, it seems like your smaller tears or partial tears are, are much more painful. So make sure you address that pain and you can do that with modalities or ice or uh, positioning I find is very, very helpful just to get them in a very neutral position so that the humeral head is not falling out of the glenoid and it's supported at the elbow, either with a sling or pillows or whatever it might be. Passive range of motion, find those ranges, you know, those limited ranges that work really well. And then after I've done some passive range of motion, I like to get in some gentle isometrics and even some isotonics in a limited range. Okay, so it might be internal and external rotation of a total of 20 degrees. It doesn't have to be 90 degrees or 120 degrees. Um, but uh, even if it's just 20 degrees or 30 degrees and they're comfortable in that range and they can activate, that's great, okay? Um, so, you know, work on that. Work on those postural muscles. You're going to do it after surgery anyway. So engage your scapula and, and work on those postural muscles because they're going to need that to help support that arm, especially when they get into the active assistive phase and they're trying to elevate that arm and then they get into the active strengthening. Uh, you'll need some scapula 
scapular support there. So engaging that before surgery can also uh, be helpful. Now, expectations. You need to talk to your patient about expectations. I think that through my experience, I've seen too many patients who have had rotator cuff tears. They come see me at four, five, six, sometimes eight weeks after surgery for the first time, and they're absolutely miserable. And the first thing that comes out of their mouths is that I never should have had this done. I really thought this would have been better by now. And somebody did not really explain to them what to expect. So I think that if you explain it to them first and they understand that, you know, this is usually a very painful rehabilitation post-op, um, it can be a very, very long recovery. I tell people it can take 9 to 12 months before you regain all of your strength back if you are going to get your strength back, depending on the size of the tear and the surgery and whatnot. There are a lot of factors that go into that. But I, I think that when you talk to them about the expectations, they they come to see you after they've had surgery. They're sore, they're painful, but they knew it was coming. And so it's not such a big surprise to them. And then they, they understand that's part of the process. And that will go a lot smoother, okay, for you. Um, and then, you know, from there, let me just reiterate what we talked about today. So number one, you want to prevent injury with these folks. You want to maximize their motion without causing too much discomfort. You want to talk about those expectations. And then most importantly, number four, you want to educate, educate, educate. Okay, so teach that patient as much as you can and get them as prepared as possible before surgery. Because remember, and I've talked about this in other podcasts before, you have a total knee replacement. Um, you are seen by a therapist in the hospital. Then maybe you're sent home and then you have home care therapy for a week or two. Or maybe you're in a... Um, you know, in a skilled facility, and uh, you're guided by a therapist there. And then um, you go to an outpatient center, and then you've, you're guided by a therapist. Um, so that happens with hips and knees and, you know, ACLs and all these other things. But when it comes to shoulders, people generally have surgery. They're placed in a sling. They may be given a few instructions, and they're usually in the numb when they get those instructions. So um, what happens is they'll go home and really not have a lot of guidance. Like, like what can I do? And to be honest with you, with all the diagnoses I just mentioned, a re-tear of the rotator cuff is way more likely than damaging a total knee or hip or ACL. Um, it is very easy to re-tear a rotator cuff if you don't do the right things. And so there's a level of anxiety there because they really don't know what to do. So if you can prepare them before surgery, uh, they're going to be super, super happy with you. And uh, they're going to be way more compliant and more apt to listen to you and do what they need to do. Um, so again, you can never prepare your patient enough for a rotator cuff repair. Um, so I hope you found these tips helpful today. I know that, uh, your patients will definitely appreciate this. I know mine do. Um, so please feel free to give us a rating and view a review on Apple podcasts, send me your questions for the show and don't forget, be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show or some more awesome content. Go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.